I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Good morning. Amen. It's good to be in church this morning. It's good to see all your smiling faces. A few frowns. Are you all awake this morning? Are you all thankful to be in the house of the Lord? Brother Graves, could I get a little bit of monitor here? It is so good to have all of our guests in here. If I start calling names, I'm going to be in trouble. I didn't mean call you names. I meant if I start calling names, that I would be in trouble. I'd probably be in trouble if I called you names. It is good to be here this morning, and I am thankful. Uh, we had our men's camp out and our ladies uh, get together uh, Friday night and had such a wonderful time. Not everybody showed up that I would like to showed up, but we're very thankful that who all showed up. And I want to thank, she's not in here, Sister Krause cooked all the food, all the chili. And uh, I don't know where the rest went, but there was a ton left over. So if anybody's interested in four-day-old chili, uh, Sister Krause, I think, probably has an abundance of it. Do you have a bunch of it? Okay. But anyway, I, I did say I wasn't going to call names out, but Brother Bob, or is, is, he, is, is he where I can, I am so glad to see you. I am so glad to see you. We miss Brother Bob here. He is absolutely an amazing man, and we're very thankful to have him this morning. It's been a long time since I've seen him. And, uh, all the classes that need to be dismissed, you can certainly go. I always get a complex when I see half the church walk out, even though I know I'm the one dismissing them. But aren't we thankful for our young people? Amen. I do really quick. I have a... a some folks had given to Brother Mark Winters. And he had had a trip scheduled to uh, Africa. And he called me Thursday morning, Thursday or Friday morning one, and said that he had been scheduled, his name had been posted, and he was preaching, it was supposed to be a big thing. And he said that the Lord kept impressing him that it wasn't the right thing to do. And uh, he called me. He was actually worried. And uh, I told him, I said, don't ignore those those feelings. Usually when you hear a vo- when you when you hear a voice, the first voice is God. The second voice is your flesh. The third voice. Excuse me. The first voice is yourself. The second voice is the enemy. And the second uh, the third voice is usually flesh. And then you start arguing the fact. Well, what did I hear first? Did I hear from God or did I hear from uh, the devil? And the Lord just kept impressing me. I said, it's probably the right thing for you not to go. And he was worried that our church was going to think ill of him because I told him I volunteered to take up offering for him. You may be seated this morning. I told him this story and this, this truly happened. Thank you, Jacob, for playing. Thank you so much. I told him this story, and this this is a real event. Me and Pastor Robertson 
I can't remember how many years ago it was that we had planned to go to the Philippines and we were going to go to a, uh, a very large crusade. And we were excited about it and we planned it. And there was about 15 to 16 ministers uh, that were supposed to go, some pastors, some uh, laity and some uh, evangelists that were supposed to go. And that day, I don't I can't remember exactly. I don't even remember how many years ago, but there was a storm that swept across the United States and it it was all over. It was from Florida to California and there wasn't anywhere in the United States that there wasn't a storm. Does anybody remember that? It was like it shut down all the airports. It was a pretty massive thing. One man got off the ground in an airplane. It was Brother Simmons from Florida, Pensacola, Florida. Me and Brother Robertson were stuck in an airport for hours and hours and hours because we thought our flight was going to be just delayed. But they shut everything down and everything was completely shut down. And I was disappointed. Brother Robertson told me, he said, you'll learn the older you get. That God does things for a reason. Even sometimes we get disappointed. And uh, so we, Sister Robertson came and got us and we went home. I packed all my bags. I had all my money saved that we, and, and we had raised to go. Come to find out, the night that we were supposed to get into our room, we would have we calculated, we would have been in bed for four, four or five hours. With, when a, an extremist Islamic group went in and bombed the hotel that we were in, and there were hundreds of people that was killed, and our the wing, the block of hotels that all of us ministers would have had was completely destroyed. Sometimes God allows things in your life, and you're, you get frustrated and you, you get disappointed. Just know that God, he's, he's already been in our tomorrow. And, you know, we, we get disappointed sometimes, and sometimes we think it's the enemy stepping in our way, keeping us from doing things. Sometimes it's just God saying, no, I know what's best for you. And if God would have answered my prayer, I was at that airport, I was like, God, let, let the air, let the air clear, let the airport, let the, let them pick us up and let us, let us go. If God would have answered my prayer, I wouldn't be here telling you this story tonight. It wouldn't have been a testimony. I'd have been simply a memory, but I'm thankful for a God that takes care of us. Amen. Thankful for a God that takes care of us. Please forgive me, uh, media folks. I didn't get in here soon enough to give you my note or my, my text and my, uh, my scriptures, Philippians 3 and 10, if you would stand for the reading of the word this morning. I, I don't know how long this morning I'm going to preach. I do know that I'm, I'm going to have, uh, we're going to have a time of, of, of a prayer when, before we leave. And I felt very led this morning. I was up about 3.30 this morning. And uh, the Lord was dealing with me on some things. And... Uh, You know, when you study, I know anybody that's ever studied for a message, if you've ever taught anything out of the Bible or have ever preached or, or, or gave a word in all the ministry, can vouch for this, that it doesn't take long when you're studying for a message that the message you're supposed to preach or teach 
ends up convicting you. And you feel by the end, by the time you, you're done, you feel like a dirty dog. And you just, you feel, un, uh, uh, you know, just unable, I guess, if you will, or not capable or shouldn't even be doing this. And uh, But that's the power of the Word. If you ever read the Word of God and you don't feel conviction, you need to... You need to ask God for forgiveness and ask God to clear the flesh because you'll, you should always feel conviction with the word of God. Philippians 3 and 10. Paul's telling the, the Philippian church, he said that I may know him, the power of his resurrection. Everything that we do and, and, and are and believe in and, and we're saved, the doctrine, the, the power of the gospel all hinges off of the resurrection. Jesus could have came, went to the cross, and died, but if there wasn't a resurrection, there wouldn't have been a gospel. It would, would, it would not have been complete. And I'm thankful this morning for the resurrection. And I'm thankful that the resurrection is not limited to one day of the year while others are out celebrating a rabbit and Easter eggs. We're, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I'm thankful this morning that the resurrection's just not celebrated. We don't just think of the resurrection on Easter morning. Every day he, he, there, we have the power of the resurrection. He went on to say, and the, he said that I may know him and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained neither or either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He went on to say in the 14th verse. That I press toward the mark of the high prize and the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want to preach and talk, or just talk to you for a while this morning on just to know him. Just to know him. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. Amen. As we are seated in Jesus' name. Nobody can fully ever know Jesus Christ. Us apostolics, many times I've heard people say, well, there's certain aspects of religious people that simply we, we point our finger at them and say, well, talking on the lines of salvation, we say, well, they, they, all they, you have to do is believe in Jesus and you're saved. We know that's not the case because the Bible says that the devil believes in one God and he trembles. Sometimes the enemy has more faith than we have. We know that the enemy's not saved simply because he believes. Believing, we have to believe in God. That, that is an a, a, a act of faith. The Bible says, though, without faith, it is impossible. Faith without works is dead. And so we have to have faith, but we have to have works. And so, um, But we point our finger at people and say, well, they're just a one-step salvation people. 
And what we don't realize many times is we're, we often preach a simple three-step salvation. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and then filling with the Holy Ghost. But how many of you know that it takes more than that to be saved? The Bible says, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. So it takes more than just believing in God. It takes more than repenting. And it takes more than baptism. And it takes more than simply being filled with the Holy Ghost. Because we know that the churches in Revelations, in Revelations, the seven churches of Asia, he talked about the things they did right. And he complimented them on the things they did right. They were a powerful churches, many of them. But by the end of each letter that he wrote to them, he said, but I have somewhat against you. And each one of them had things that they weren't right to God. And he said, but if you don't repent and, and do your first works over, which is simply repentance, he said, I'll take your light. And that right there stamps out the mental thought or any, any doctrine of once saved, always saved. Because there are people in the world that'll end up when they after the, the resurrection and they face God. He, he talked about in the in the revelations. He said, if you don't, he, he talked about blotting their names out of the Lamb's book of life, which tells me that there are going to be people that started the journey of salvation, and they did right, and they were saved by grace. But they quit somewhere and they stopped serving God and they stopped being faithful to God and uh, they found more important things to do. And so there was a time where God talked about it. Jesus said, he said, I'll take the, your name out of the Lamb's book of life. So the, the, the belief in once saved, always saved is a lie from the pit of hell. I'll tell you why that, 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 that the enemy wants people to believe that. He wants you to stop trying. He wants you to stop searching simply when you uh, get the initial uh, salvation, which is the death, burial, and resurrection. He wants you to quit. But there is more to know about God than simply being uh, repenting and baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. There is absolutely no way in the world that no man in the history of mankind has ever known all of God. And if you think you know all of God, you have believed a lie. Once you think, once you think that you know everything there is to know about God, you stop searching. Paul understood that. That's why he said, I'm going to continue to press towards the mark. There were things in my past that I'm not proud of. There are things, there are weights in my life that hold me down. And so he was disconnecting himself from his past. He was letting them go. That's where I have a hard time. Sometimes it's my past that chases me down and drags me down. And, and I, I lose a lot of times my focus. I'm sorry I get so honest when I stand behind this desk, this, but I, I just can't help it. But and I believe everybody has been where I'm at, where I'm talking about this morning, where we just stop searching and we just stop pushing ahead and we hold on to things that have hurt us and drag us down. Paul understood that. That's why he said, I press towards the mark of the high calling. And history says that Paul runs to a chopping block. 
because he had one thing in mind. If he would have been focusing on his past or focusing on his present, there is no way that he would have had the ability or the tenacity to press towards the mark and run to a chopping block and say, I finished my course. I've ran my, you know, the race is over for me. And so we can never stop searching. We as the church, if we, we, we just as, as much as we can't go back, we can't stand still because anything that stands still becomes stagnant. I don't know about you this morning, but I want to become a river. Am I in an apostolic church this morning? I want to be a river that continually flows. And moves forward and gets stronger and gets better and gets smarter. Brother Krause, I may not get better looking the older I get, but I want to be I want to be more powerful with Jesus. There may be things in my life that I lose. Some things you gain. Some things you lose in life. But I, I don't want I, I don't want to live like we live in a carnal body where we simply kind of drift away and get older and get weaker and lose our sight, and lose our hearing, which is inevitable. We live in a live in a carnal body. But our our saints that have went on before us, the powerful men and women of God that that have went on before us and that are here this morning are are, are, are uh, an example of, of greatness that they have showed us in prior generations that I. I'm better than I was 20 years ago. They've had the mentality that Caleb had in the scripture when he goes before Joshua and said, you know what? I'm as young now as I was 40 years ago, but I'm not done growing and I still want my mountain. How many this morning wants to grow in Jesus? If you believe that and want that, I want you to stand to your feet and give Jesus a hand clap of praise. God help me. Touch my heart. Touch my heart this morning. I don't ever want to stop growing. There's a book called Acres of Diamonds. The story in it is a true one. It's told of an African farmer who heard tales about other farmers who had made millions by discovering diamonds, diamond mines. These tales were so excited that the farmer that he, he could hardly wait to sell his own property, to get out from it, so he could, wouldn't have the responsibility to be landlocked as to where he was at. And he wanted to go prospecting for diamonds himself. He sold the farm, and the story says that he spent the rest of his life wandering the African continent, searching unsuccessfully for the gleaming gems that brought such high prices to the market of this world, finally worn out. And in a fit of despondency, he throws himself into a river. The story was true. He drowned himself. Meanwhile, the man who had bought his farm happened to be crossing the small stream on the property one day when suddenly there was a bright flash of blue and red light from the stream at the bottom. He bent down. He picks up the stone. It was a good-sized stone, and he admired it. He brought it home, and he put it on the mantle of his fireplace. As an interesting curiosity, several weeks later, a visitor picked up the stone, looked closely at it, hefted it in his hand, and nearly fainted. He asked the farmer if he knew what he had found. When the farmer said no, that he thought it was a piece of crystal, the visitor told him that he had found one of the largest diamonds ever discovered. 
farmer had trouble believing that. He told the man that his creek was full of such stones, not all as large as the one he had put on his mantle, but streak, uh, sprinkling generously throughout the creek bottom the farm and the first farmer had sold, so that he might find a diamond mine turned out to be one of the most productive diamond mines in the entire African continent and in the entire world. The first farmer had owned free and clear acres of diamonds. But he had sold them for practically nothing in order to look for something elsewhere. And that story to me this morning rings truth with so many people in our world that have dedicated their whole lives into searching after things and places with the mentality that the grass is always greener on the other side because they figure that they, they're landlocked or mentally locked in the place they're at. They'll never grow. There's nothing where they're at. And so they'll venture out in other places when they don't realize that within them, inside of each one of them, birthed in their spirit, when God put the breath of air inside of them, when he strategically puts the image of God inside them, that he puts inside of them, uh, the potential to be greater than anything in this world. What's the Bible says that inside of us greater is he that is in us than he that is in all the world. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. I'm pe- telling you this in the Holy Ghost. You can seek high and low and you can try to better yourself and you can look for something better and just, run, just keep running. But you'll exhaust yourself and you, you'll run out of energy and you'll go to your deathbed. But inside of you is a call that God has put inside of you that's greater than anything in this world. Stop looking outside of Jesus. It's a little quiet in here this morning. I didn't really come to preach hard this morning. I didn't want to wear myself out tonight. But I'm here to tell somebody I I feel a little bit of energy. I've been up since 3 o'clock this morning. I feel a little bit of energy this morning to tell you that if you're looking outside the realm of Jesus Christ, you've wasted your time and your life. And I'll go even further than that. If you're sitting on a church pew and you think you have uh, uh, found all of Jesus Christ, you've lied to yourself because he had, he fills all space. It was David that said, if I make my bed in hell, he's there. That wasn't saying if he went to hell and was in flames. What he was saying was that hell is the very depth. The lowest you could ever be in any situation. And what he was saying in that passage of scripture, that is, you can go the lowest and feel the lowest in your life, but you'll never outrun the presence of God. He's everywhere. Stop thinking you have found all of God. Because it's people that think they have it all together, that they stop searching. And when they stop searching, they go back. They stop growing. The children of Israel died in the wilderness. Generation that was given a promise from God himself wandered around for 40 long days. A 10-day journey turned into a 40-long-year uh, journey. And those people died in the wilderness Destined for a promised land, given a promise in their lap, leaders 
great men and women of God given a, a promise to grow and, and, and see a better land. But they died in the wilderness and they had one thing in mind. One thing. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's digress. Let's go back where God brought us from. Hear me this morning. It's never the will of God for you to stand still or go back from where you came from. It's never the will of God. One time I was asked, I was praying, I was actually studying that, that mess, um, for a message in that, and, and they, the child noticed, they kept asking, let's go back in Egypt, let's go back in Egypt. God spoke to me, he said, you know what I'd have had to do to let them back in Egypt? I want to tell you something before he told me that. They were, they were afraid to go forward and, and grow and go across their Jordan, because the Jordan was a barrier between them and their promise. And here's all these people, and they looked at this river, they were, they were, continually bogged down in their mind about this river that constantly rode uh, through them. They was thought, how am I going to get my children? How am I going to get a cat, my cattle across that, that river? How am I going to get there? Uh, and I know we've got a promise from God. But, and they got so frustrated and worried about what was before them that they wanted to go back where they came from. And God spoke to me one time, and I'll never forget it's one of the most powerful words that God ever spoke to me. He said, you know what I would have had to do to let them back into Egypt? Here's where we use common sense. What he had to do to get them out of Egypt? There you go. Parted the Red Sea. They didn't have enough faith that God would expand them to let them grow and go across the the Jordan River. But they had enough faith that God would let them back in to bondage. It's just as it's just as easy to believe that God can open the Jordan as as it is that God could open up the Red Sea for the second time. And if God has brought you out of darkness and through the Red Sea, you know what? God can take you across into your promised land. So we, it's the will of God for us to grow. It's the will of God for us to get better. The enemy, one of the biggest tricks of the enemy is for, for him to get us to think, plant seed. That's all he has the power to do is inject seed, inject thoughts in people's mind. That's all he can do. He can't, he can't dictate your future. He can't predict your future. The, he makes us think he can predict our future. Do you know why that many people think that the devil knows our next move? Because we are creatures of habit. And he's watched us make the same dumb mistakes that we've always made. And he'll all, he'll tell you in your ear, you're going to do this again. You're going to do that. You're going to be a failure. And we go, how in the world does he know? It's because he saw us yesterday make the same thing and deal with the same thing for so many years. But he doesn't know our future. Only God does. So when we start believing that, what we do is we, we shoot ourselves in the foot. We just we just bite into it. We just choose that. We just choose to 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 die in the wilderness, and it's not the will of God. So let me get back to what I'm saying. To, this morning, I want you to know something: that if you want to grow in Jesus, there's not anything stopping you but you. It was a song that we sing: "The more I seek Him." The more I find him. 
And there's too many, there's too many, I call them professional Christians or people that's been in church for years. And they wonder why they deal with the same junk over and over and over and over. And they continue to cycle. It's simply because at some time in their life, they stop seeking God. You see new converts come to church. They worship more. They get more excited about God. They, you ever notice this? I've been in this a long time. Seeing, I've been, I've been in church, around church for 43 years. There's been times I, I wasn't right, but I've been around it and I've seen it over and over. And I, I, I pay attention. I, I used to wonder why in the world does new converts, why are they more excited about Jesus than some of the people that's been in church for a long time? Why? It's because they're on a journey and they, they're in the process of seeking. And a lot of times people that lose their joy and they lose their anointing and they lose their power and they don't really lose their anointing. They stop, they stop exercising their anointing. They stop worshiping God as much. They're, they don't wor- clap their hands as much. They, st- they, don't, they don't lift their hands as much. They, it's, it's because uh, we stop searching Jesus and we get to the point in our life, well, I already know him. I know it. I don't I don't have to seek anymore. I I don't. And when you stop seeking, you you put yourself in a position where you stop growing. And when you stop growing. You stop digressing. It's like a a kid, my, my boys. They can eat and eat and eat and eat. I don't know where it goes. I look at, I, yeah, I do. I look at their feet. They're, they just, their feet keep growing. That's where those boxes of Cheerios goes. It keeps going. Where in the, how, you've already ate supper. Why are you cooking? We used to eat three meals of the day, right? My kids eat ten meals a day. And my son Jacob never stops eating. You know, the Bible says uh, uh, not, not to cease to pray. He, he, he took that, don't cease to eat. It's continuing. And I was probably like that. The reason I'm like, man, it's because he's growing, continually growing. Once he gets to the height of his, his life and his bones stop growing and he grows out, those boys, kids stop growing. It's like in, in the human, uh, in, the, in, in the flesh, you stop growing. And then, then some people start shrinking. I better not say the rest. And then some people, yeah. So people, you stop, you stop growing. And I noticed this. I don't hardly eat a lot anymore. It's because I, my body doesn't need it. I stopped growing. Maybe that's it. Maybe I need to get off that because I don't even know anything about what I'm talking about right now. But that's the way it is in the spirit world. People can't come into their new babies in, in Jesus, and they they can't get enough of God. They they want to, they want to talk about Jesus. You see it on Facebook. Praise Jesus! Blah blah blah! Exclamation mark! You can see it in their hand. And before long, years go by, and it's no capitals anymore. It's just small letters, and the exclamation marks start falling off, and they stop. They stop. They're not as excited. They stop praising God as much and they stop, they stop pursuing Jesus. And before long, they, they, 
they just stop growing. It's something, there's, and, and the reason is, is because when you start maturing before long, you, you think, well, I, I know as much as I need. And so, therefore, God can't work for you. And God needs open channels through us. He needs us to be confident in God, but humble enough to say, I can't make it on my own. And I need Jesus every hour of the day. And i got to start seeking. And David said it. He said, i got to hide the Word of God, and i got to hide it in my heart so I may not sin against God. That wasn't just a one-time thing in his life. He didn't just get, in his young days, when he's when he's young, when he's on a, on a, in the valley taking care of his father's sheep and he's saying, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He, he didn't just say it then, but when he got older, when he said, I was young, but now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous, righteous forsaken. It's because David never stopped writing and he never stopped seeking God. We as a church, if we're ever going to see a latter day apostolic revival, we need to keep seeking the face of Jesus. If you think you know all of him, you've lied to yourself. As vast as the heavens are. I, I, I don't even want to get into this because I don't even know how. I just know that our Milky Way, how vast it is. And they say, the scientists say that vast... Millions, I don't even know where they get that off. But I do know it's so vast that no man could even calculate it in their minds. You know, beyond the heavens is, is heaven. Is a place that the Bible talks about that no man could even comprehend it. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it ever entered in the, the mind of man that, that's outside of our atmosphere, beyond us, which we can't even calculate that. And beyond us is he- heavens that are 12 miles high. Streets of gold that the Bible talks about transparent gold. I've never even heard seen anything like that. There's nothing on this earth that's that's beyond or that's that that, it, that they have in heaven that's pre- he's preparing for us. I don't even ca- can't even imagine what he has got for us. One day maybe we'll talk about he- we need to talk about heaven. Um, there, and, and so, you know, I, even when I start thinking about heaven, I, I can't even calculate what's there. And what makes me look forward more to heaven than anything is what's not there. No more sickness, no more death. The former things are passed away. No more tears, no more pain. Those things make me excited about heaven. But just talking about this atmosphere, we can't even fathom it. And beyond that, there's a God that's on the outside of it all, that surrounds it. That's moving it with, by the power of his word. That's how vast God is. So if you think that you know all about God, you've lied to yourself. But here's, this is the awesome part. And I, I'm not going to preach much longer. I want, I want the music to come. Just as vast as God is. There is an amazing Thought to know that as vast as his spirit is 
and his power is that he invested himself in one body. Here's a one God message for you. Jesus Christ is the image of an invisible God. And when we think about how great and how massive and how huge and vast God is, just know that he, has become, he became a man and dwelt among us and became an avenue or the way so that we can know more about him. Knowing that Jesus Christ is simply God in the flesh. And the most powerful revelation that anybody could ever understand or know is to know that this great God that hung the sun, moon, and stars in our galaxy became a man and dwelt among us. And he's not simply just the Son of God. We talk about the Son of God, Jesus being the Son of God. He's talking about the Son of God. He was the Son of God. It was a it was a word that described a relationship. God is a spirit, the Bible says. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Right? God the Father. They talked about God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. Let me let me just take a second to explain. God, Spirit, put a seed in a woman. And in relationship, he became the father. We all know how babies are made. That father, God, put a seed in a woman. And in relationship, he was the father of that seed. And to the son, that was the father. And God became what he wasn't. A man. And still remained what he was. According to 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. God became a man. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God was the Word. And if you go down through there, you'll realize that God was the light. And he came into this world, and the world knew him not. And they rejected him. And in the 14th verse, the Bible says, And the Word, which was God, was made flesh and dwelt among us. So if you want to know God, you have to have the revelation. Oh my. You have to have the revelation of His name and who He is. That God is literally Jesus. Or excuse me, Jesus is literally God. That when we get to heaven, there's one going to be sitting on the throne. And we look at the, at the face of an invisible God. We're going to be looking into the face of Jesus Christ. Say, so you mean God came and he died? I mean, the flesh part of God came and died. It's like saying that 
The real Adam will die. Actually, my flesh will die. But I, my soul, my spirit will live forever. And just let me take a moment, just, just, just a second. Just let me take, I, I, I don't know why I'm being pushed this way, but I, I feel led to do this. I'm not here to offend anybody this morning. There is one God. The Bible says there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We know that the name of God is Jesus. The Bible says there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Went on to say that his name is a strong tower and the righteous run into it. Then it, it was put so much emphasis on the name of Jesus Christ that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Then it went on to say that whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know that the name of Jesus is powerful. That the name of Jesus cast out devils. And he said, you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But you're not going to do it without the name of Jesus. And so the name of Jesus is the most powerful name that you can ever speak or utter. If you're driving down the road, you hit a black, some black ice. What are you going to say? What name are you going to call? I mean, even if you don't believe it, you're going to be drawn to it. My grandpa used to t- say, t- tell us, he said, I've never seen an atheist in the foxhole. He said, those guys were calling the name of Jesus. When you're in trouble, you're going to call in the name of Jesus. When your children are sick, you're going to lay hands on them. And you're going to pray in Jesus' name. And when you bless your food, you're going to do it in Jesus' name. And everything you do, you do it in Jesus' name. But there is a, there is a doctrine that has run rapid in this world. That leaves out the name of Jesus. That's a spirit. It is actually, it's a spirit of Antichrist. They take the name of Jesus out. You know what? You can talk about God all you want to at school, and nobody will say a word. You won't. Teachers won't care. Principal doesn't care. Talk about God. But as long if you talk about Jesus, you ever think about that? Go to school and talk up their kids. Our, our, my kids can talk about God all they want to at school. They can talk about God. They can say, he's my father. And nobody says a word. But when my kids went to school and say, we love Jesus, we believe in Jesus. Teacher says, zip it, shut up, don't talk about that name. They can go ahead and they can talk about Muhammad. They can go ahead and they can, they can pray in, in the name of Muhammad or Allah or Buddha or any other name. But when you start talking about the name of Jesus, it makes devils mad. Why? Because, the, because there is no threat to the, the kingdom of hell except for that of Jesus Christ. So we know that there's something to the name of Jesus. Demons come out in the name of Jesus. I've seen people that were dead raised to life in the name of Jesus. Sorry I had you come up so early, but I, I, I can't quit right now. I was in church. 
I went to Kentucky, preached, and got a pastor called me. We didn't have church one night, and, and the, it was uh, it snowed here. And he calls me. He said, look, God spoke to me this morning and said, you're supposed to come and preach. He didn't know I wasn't having church that night. And I was like, man, I just took a Dutch apple pie out of the oven, and I'm going to watch YouTube. I know that's carnal. Eat vanilla bean ice cream and have apple pie. That's what I had in mind. He said, God spoke to me and said, you're supposed to be here. I was like, man. And I didn't want to disappoint the guy, make him feel bad. So I got I, I, I got ready and I went and drove. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I drove there. God spoke to me. He said, this is what I want you to preach. I got there and they said, they sang and sang. It was a marathon. I bet they sang 800 songs. We got on the 800th song and on the 49th verse and I thought, oh, my gosh. And I saw the worship leader go, one more time. I was like, you said that five minutes ago. I, was, I, I didn't know how in the world the church could even handle it. But I thought, they're going to be done before I get up there. So they, one more time, halfway through the course, a guy on the second row in his 60s stands up to raise his hands, drops, hit the chair, and falls over dead. His wife fell apart. The man's tongue was out of his mouth. He was completely dead. There was a nurse practitioner there. And there's two other nurses, registered nurses in the place. And I saw the nurse practitioner look at the pastor. She went. The wife, the pastor's wife, had this woman holding her down. She's kicking husband's dead I walked all the way I walked off the platform walked over there to him I put my hands on his face I felt of his pulse I took CPR in his class I don't know anything about it but I know someone dead when I saw him no pulse no breath and I walked over and walked away and I said God stand next to the wall I said why in the world did you have that guy call me because I didn't need to see this God spoke to me. He said, I didn't need you here for what I'm getting ready to do. I didn't need you here. He said, but I wanted you here so you could have your te- a testimony, so you could tell people about it. And I'm not the only one who could testify about it. There's about 200 other people that watched it happen. This is just one small story I can tell you. God spoke to me, said, I want you to walk over. And he said, I want you to go utilize my name. And I want you to lay hands on him. And I want you to rebuke death in Jesus' name. He said, I'm getting ready to do a miracle. Believe it or not. Hand on the Bible. I walked over and I laid hands on that man. I didn't have much faith on that man's body that was completely dead. And I laid hands on him and I said, I rebuke death in the power of the name of Jesus. I speak life into this body. And I'm telling you, as soon as I said in Jesus' name, the second time, that man opened his eyes and he jumped off the pew and began to shout and dance before God. You can believe it or not, but there is power in the name of Jesus. While I'm at, I'll tell you another thing. 
I was I was here one night. I walked down this aisle. I saw a young lady that was from this church. She got up. She was bleeding profusely at her nose. She walked back there and sat on the chair right outside to the left. And she was sitting there. And there were some ladies. Some of y'all remember was out there praying for bleeding out her nose. It was just continually bleeding out her nose. So I go back there and I prayed for her. Nothing happened. She went to the hospital and the Bloomington Hospital. Carterized something up her nose and they sent her home. That night it got really bad and she 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 they, she went back to the hospital and they rushed her to the Methodist hospital. Methodist hospital. And I went up there. We went to pray for her. And God healed her right then. But while I was up there, I kept getting a phone call. Brother Greg Sebastian was calling me. He's like, Pick up, and I was like, five or six calls. I was like, I'm busy. Finally, I answered. I was frustrated, and I said, "Hello, I'm, I'm, I, I, I can't talk right now." He goes, "Look, my brother-in-law has been dead for three days. They kept him alive to harvest his organs, and he is, he's. They're coming up at seven o'clock tonight. His family's going to come and kiss him goodbye. I'm asking you to go pray for him." I said, I can't go pray for him. I'm in Indianapolis at the hospital. He said, he is in Indianapolis at the hospital. I said, well, I'm at Methodist Hospital. He said, that's where he's at. I'm trying to make every excuse, Brother Keith, to get out of what he's asking me to do. Because let's face it, when someone says somebody's been dead for three days, that's only things that happen in the Scripture. I said, I'm at Methodist Hospital. He said, he's at Methodist Hospital. I said, well, I'm on the sixth floor. He said, well, he's on the sixth floor. I'm running out of excuses. And I was, I, I, I had no choice. Hey, I stand behind this desk and I preach the power of Jesus. So uh, I preach it and I tell other people they need to have faith. Why? My goodness, I need to have faith. So I was bound and obligated to walk down. I had to smock up, put a mask on. It wasn't for him because it was too late for him. It was for me not to get an infection. When I walked in, he had called his the, the, the man, this guy's father. And as soon as I walked in, that man points his face in my finger and he said, Preacher, you're too late. He said, Where was you at days ago when me and my wife was crying and mourning over my son's death? He said, For three days. He said, We mourned their death. He said, Plus that, I've already, I've, I've lied to my grandchildren. He said, They think their dad's all right. He said, And they're coming up at seven o'clock tonight to unplug him. And we're going to, we're going to have his funeral. And you're too late. He said, On this side of the pillow, he said, The church down the road put a prayer cloth. He said, and On the other side, the other church down the road put a prayer cloth. He said, And it didn't work. He said, I, I wonder what happened to the God of your Bible. I thought he was a healer. I didn't have any faith. None whatsoever. The stench and the smell was so bad. I walked in that place. I had no faith. And I walked in and I looked at that man's faith. And on blind faith and trust in God, I said, it's not over until Jesus says it's over. I trust doctors. I trust nurses. But it's not over until Jesus says it's over. And I told him, I said, Jesus is the resurrection and power. Can I pray for him? He said, go right ahead. Sarcastically. I remember grabbing that man's arm. And that man fell apart, laying across his son, weeping. Imagine. 
laid hands on him and I rebuked death. I walked out, nothing happened. They just, the, the machines were breathing for him. The, the, nothing was going to happen. I walked out and the sister sees me. The guy says, This is the preacher. She went, Give up on Jesus. I know this is the message talking about getting to know Jesus. I'm just trying to tell you about the power of the name of Jesus. I left there. Seven o'clock. They went up there and they took him. They, I, I, I'm glad I wasn't there, but he said they got their children. His children were young and they got in the lap, his lap and they kissed their father goodbye. And they all walked out of the room and unplugged him and expecting to die. And when they unplugged him, his brainwave shot up and his lungs started breathing and his heart started beating on its own. And in three days, that man walked out of Methodist Hospital. say, well, we don't know that. We don't know that. Oh, just pause right there as we stand. Brother Bob, they pronounced you dead. They, they said that there was no hope for you. That man had major strokes and was not supposed to live. Never supposed to walk again. Never supposed to talk again. But Brother Bob is here tonight because the power of Jesus Christ. So when you think that you know all about Jesus, we don't know just the half of it because he, he never runs out of power. He never runs out of options. He's never painted in the corner. He's not intimidated. He's not frustrated about your tomorrow. He's not scared about your pain today. He's not worried about the lost souls, people in your family. He's not worried about the prodigal. He has every bit of power to bring them back. We just can't stop seeking Him. So this morning, this message turned totally different. This morning, I want to invite you to an altar. If you can't make it to an altar, I'm going to ask you just, just to begin to cry out to Jesus. Come on, forget about every problem you've got. Forget about the people around you. If you're a guest here this morning, come on. You can just make yourself at home. But I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and begin to have a conversation. I know you may not feel Him. I know that there's been times where you look to your right and left and behind in front of you and you don't know where He's at. But I'm telling you that He is just a breath away. And all you have to do is seek his name and seek his face. The psalmist said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. He said, I will call on the name of the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed about me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about and the snares of death prevented me. And in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God and he heard my voice out of the temple and my cry came before him even unto his ears you cannot outrun Jesus more I can seek him hallelujah let's pray all over this place praise your name